and you're listening to teaching from Central Church in West Columbia, South Carolina. We hope that this message will help you experience Jesus in a new and exciting way. For more information, please visit us at centralnazarene.org. So glad to be able to be here and um, share with you some some things that have been on my heart uh, this morning. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, we are at the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount, which is probably the most famous sermon of Jesus. So before we begin, I just want to say thank you for uh, allowing me uh, the the privilege to just stand in this pulpit this morning. Um, And if you're online, please forgive me. Um, I haven't preached in a long time, so it may be a while. Um, But also, uh, I, I have to remember that there are boundaries here as I'm looking right at the camera. Um, and I'll try, not to, I'll try not to cross the line. But if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, we'll have it up here on the screen for you. Um, we're going to take a look at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And so if you, if, if you had the opportunity to join us on Wednesday night online, of course, then you heard, that, uh, you heard me go through uh, pretty much all of chapter 4. Which, So for, for some background here, Jesus is baptized uh, by John the Baptist in, in in uh, Matthew chapter 3, and uh, immediately after his baptism, he's led into the wilderness by the Spirit, uh, and he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And during this time, he's tempted by Satan himself. And so Satan takes Jesus through, through uh, through these temptations, and, and as I said Wednesday night, uh, we, we have this tendency as humans to to, to maybe think that Jesus doesn't understand us, that he, he can't understand us because we're human and he's God. But, but it's, it's, it's like we forget this fact that Jesus was not only, yes, he was God, he was fully God, but he was fully human. He was fully human and he faced temptations uh, much as the way that we have faced temptations today. And so he has this understanding. And that's, that's the beauty of, of the gospel, that God would send his son, that he would send himself to live a human life, to understand his creation. Amen? And so Jesus is tempted in the wilderness by Satan himself, and and Jesus fights this temptation with Scripture. Even when Satan himself brought Scripture to him, Jesus fought back with Scripture. Our best weapon for temptation. And so after this, he he begins this part of his ministry. He begins to to call his first disciples. We see here in in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Verse 23, 
Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. In verse 25, large crowds followed from Galilee, the Decapolis, which is the ten cities, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. And so as these crowds of people are following Jesus, we begin the Sermon on the Mount. And what I want to focus on this morning is is the first 12 verses, commonly known as the Beatitudes. And so if you have your scripture, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me. Matthew chapter 5, we'll have it up here or over my shoulder if you're watching online. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Verse 3, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus, we... We can say it a hundred times this morning and it still wouldn't be enough, but we give you thanks. In all things, we give you thanks. We pray that you will bless the reading and the hearing of your word, that you will use whatever feeble words that I've come up with this morning to, to just do something, Lord. I pray that you will have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to stick with this passage this morning. And so at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he calls his disciples, he starts preaching, and he goes to this mountain area. And he starts to, 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 to see these crowds following him. And if you read the scriptures, if you read the gospels, you'll see that crowds gather around Jesus. Jesus didn't often walk this small little ragtag group of his disciples, just him and them, people were drawn to him like he was a magnet. And so when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Think about the crowds this morning. That's what I want to focus on today is is the crowds, the crowds that followed Jesus. Among these crowds are people who were downcast, outcast, 
suffering, hurting, hungry. And in this passage, we read that he starts blessing them. He just starts throwing out blessings. Like this exclamation of blessing. The Greek word here for blessed is makarios. If you listened on, on Wednesday night, I talked a little bit about that. Which it means happy, fortunate. Or one definition is to be envied. Now I know that Jesus isn't actually saying that, wow, people should be jealous of you because of all of these things. But, but you can imagine how upside down this picture is. So we start out with the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who were poor in spirit. That's upside down. At least the way that we would see blessing. The way that we see blessed is different. The way that we see blessed, commonly talk about being blessed or having blessings, is upside down compared to the blessing that Jesus is talking about here. You see, Jesus is interacting with people who don't have it all together. They don't have much to call their own. And he's pronouncing this blessing on them. We read the the following scripture, and this is the beginning of these Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I really like the way that the message uh, sort of, it's kind of kind of this paraphrase for normal talking, but I really like how the message goes through this passage. And so, I'll be sharing that this morning as well. Um, So the poor in spirit, who are the poor in spirit? These people are, are, are lacking, they're conscious of their spiritual need. You see, Jesus had been brought up among the humble poor of Israel. Those people who devoutly desired the kingdom of God. He understood. Jesus didn't grow up rich. In just a couple of months, we're going to be talking all about the, the, the origin story of Jesus. His birth, the, all of that, the, the Christmas story. By the way, has anybody listened to Christmas music this week? Just me? Come on, y'all. If there's anything that will get you happy, it is Christmas music. I digress. I, I can't tell you how many times I listened to Silver Bells this week. Um, and I'm not just making that up. I literally listened to Silver Bells like a few times. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm excited. Uh, but there's something, there's something that's, that just takes us back to this moment of childhood, this innocence, this mm, warmth. I can already smell the pumpkin pie. Anyway. So Jesus had these humble beginnings. He was born in a, in a barn, in a feeding trough. He and his, his family had to flee for their lives. It was not easy. And so Jesus grew up, lived among the humble poor of Israel, and these people devoutly desired the kingdom of God. And that is what Jesus is proclaiming. That's what John the Baptist was proclaiming, that the kingdom of God is near. Well, actually, the kingdom of God is at hand. And so the poor in spirit, the poor in spirit are are these, these people who are at the end of their rope. Have you ever been at the end of your rope? 
where, uh, I don't know if you have an actual physical rope, but whatever, you understand, where it feels like you just can't take any more. Maybe you've, you've even said these words, I just can't do this. I can't take this anymore. I'm done. And he says, you are blessed. You're blessed. And the kingdom of heaven is yours. Blessed are those who mourn, verse 4, for they will be comforted. Now, of course, we, we know and understand that mourning is this deep season of grief, sadness, sorrow, and for some, even regret. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Who are the mourners? The downcast. Deep, deep hurt. And Jesus looks at them and says, you are blessed and comfort is yours. Blessed are the meek, verse 5, for they will inherit the earth. Now the meek are not this, this weak or timid people, but the humble and the trustful people. This idea of, of, of meek can, can kind of be explained by saying that you are content with who you are, no more, no less, and of course, whose you are. It's interesting where it says here that that's the moment where you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Think about that. The proud owner of everything that can't be bought. Jesus the Spirit, the kingdom of God, all of it, just wrap it all up. <laughs> that contentness within us changes things. I like to think about the, the, the joy of the Lord. The, the joy of the Lord is, is truly a gift, and it has almost nothing to do with, with happiness, which is based on circumstance, but it's just that no matter what is going on, even in the mourning, in the sorrow, in the confusion, you have this presence of peace about you, this contentment that... that God is here. And Jesus looks at the meek and he says, you're blessed and the earth is yours. Verse 6 has to be my favorite verse in all of the, the whole Sermon on the Mount. But verse 6, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, and I'm thirsty. A lot of words this morning. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Have you ever been so hungry and so thirsty that you would eat or drink anything? Or you'd say, like, man, I could eat a cow. The truth is, if you actually had a cow, you couldn't eat the whole thing especially if you've gone without food for a, a, a certain amount of time. When I was a, a teenager in the youth group, um, and once when I was a, a youth pastor, we did the 30-hour famine. And uh, that's where we went without food for 30 hours. Yeah, you guessed it. Um, and it was always very interesting to me 
the, the few times we did that, the folks in our group who would, as soon as the 30 hours were up, they would eat as much as they could possibly eat. And that means more than their fill, all right? Much more than their fill. They just would not stop eating. Um, I remember this one guy. He was, he was like a football player. He was super, he was tall. He was buff. He was, yeah, very strong. And he just, he just ate and ate and ate. And I thought, man, I'm that hungry too, but, but I physically can't. I started eating and I'm like, I'm full already. The interesting thing is your, your stomach, you know, like it just kind of shrinks and like you just can't take. It's, so as hungry as I could possibly be, I still can't eat a cow. I could eat about a quarter pound of a cow, but not the full cow. Or a horse. People say, I could eat a horse. Please don't eat a horse. We don't eat horses. But this hunger and thirst, if, if you've ever been hungry and thirsty, just beyond anything, you're like, I can't take it anymore. I've got to eat something. I've got to drink something. You're hungry. You're in pain. You're parched. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And I think about the things of God. Hungry and thirsty for the things of God, for, for the goodness of God, for the bad things, the wrong things to be made right, for justice, for the end of oppression. You're blessed when you've worked up a good attitude, a good appetite for God, for the things of God. You're blessed when you've worked up an appetite and a desire to see God make things right. God himself is the food and the drink in the best meal you will ever eat. Jesus says later on that, that he is living water to the woman at the well. He says, I am living water. He, he says later on, even um, at the, uh, the Last Supper, he said, my body is the bread. I'm the bread of life. A little bit of foreshadowing here, I think. But Jesus says, you who are hungry, you who are thirsty for righteousness, you're blessed and you will have your fill. Blessed are the merciful, verse 7, for they will be shown mercy. You see, Jews taught that those who suffered were basically getting their just reward, that their suffering is because of, of some act of sin, whether them or their parents or whatever. They are getting what they deserve. But Jesus turns this upside down a couple of times throughout Scripture. He says, blessed are the merciful, you who care, who show mercy to others, you who put others' needs ahead of your own. Mercy. You who show mercy. At the moment of being full of care, you find yourselves cared for. And Jesus says, you're blessed, and your mercy will return to you. Blessed are the pure in heart. The pure in heart are the ones who crave God. It kind of comes back to this hungry and thirsty attitude. The ones who crave God. They crave salvation to be made free. He says you're blessed when all of the things on your inside world, your heart, your mind, 
when those things are put right, then you can see God in your outside world. Jesus says, you're blessed. And you'll see God face to face. Can you imagine? Blessed are the peacemakers, verse 9, for they will be called children of God. Who are the peacemakers? That's pretty easy. I think we, we all understand who the peacemakers are. But the peacemakers are the ones who seek to avoid and avert, no, the ones who seek to avert quarrels. The ones who seek to harmonize differences, to strengthen friendships, relationships, to avoid petty bickering. Oh, social media needs some, needs some peacemakers. The ones who seek to create a pleasant atmosphere, to work for a sympathetic understanding between loved ones, between friends, between neighbors, between the people who are just different from one another. The ones who seek to bring people together. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of how to compete or how to fight. I think we, we have this habit as, as humans to just try and have the last word. I know that I have, have a problem with this, of, of making sure that I've, I get the last word in. And I've had to learn much more um, over the years as I've gotten older to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I, I think that um, that has ended up being my mantra for this year in all things in life. Be quick to listen, friends. This is how we'll become peacemakers. There's a lot of division. To be fair, there's always been a lot of division. But there's a lot of division, and there's even a lot of division in the church among the people of God. We, as people of God, need to be first a servant. To listen quickly. Not quickly, sorry. To be quick to listen. If you listen quickly, you're probably not listening. Be quick to listen. A lot of times we listen and we're already formulating a response in our head. That's not listening. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. And slow to get angry. Lord, help me. <laughs> help me to be that person. Who are the peacemakers? You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate. You're blessed and you are a child of God. You, peacemaker. And these last three verses, verse 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And verse 12, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I think it would be really easy for us to look at a passage like this and, and to read these, these verses. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness when people insult you because of me, when they persecute you, all of these things, we can, 
very easily look at this passage and, and think that we're automatically in this category just because of being Christians. But see, here in, in, in first century, Jesus is not talking about the religious elite. Of course, if you read all throughout the Gospels, you'll see that the Pharisees didn't like Jesus. They did not like Jesus one bit. We see that in, in just eight verses ahead that, that Jesus says that your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. The Jewish leaders of, of Jesus' day, they're the, ones, they're the ones who persecuted Jesus. They persecuted his disciples. They followed them to their death. Saul, of course, Saul, the most famous of Pharisees who later became Paul. Thank the Lord he had this, this great conversion and he met Jesus face to face and became such a, a fighter for the gospel. And the New Testament is, is just overflowing with, with the words of Paul. But Paul himself persecuted Christians, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a five-star Jew, if there ever was one. Paul thought he was doing God a favor by bringing Christians to persecution and to death. These first century Christians, they understood this. They fully understood this because of, the, because of the opposition that they faced. But this wasn't just a first century thing. And unfortunately, a lot of times throughout our history, from first century, the death of Jesus until now, we've seen the church kind of take a little bit of the Pharisees' actions and turn to the unfortunate act of persecution themselves. And so Jesus sees this crowd, this crowd of outcasts, this crowd of, of, of the ones who are downcast and downtrodden, they're, they're hurting, they're anything you could think of. And also in this crowd, because these people followed Jesus around, were religious leaders always following Jesus around to try to catch him and trip him up and make sure that they find some reason to stop him. And this persecution literally means hostility, ill treatment, especially because of religious, political, or race, etc. And Jesus looks at these people all of these groups of people, this, this ragtag group of people. And he says, you are blessed and the kingdom of God is yours. The kingdom that Jesus is proclaiming here and, and all throughout his ministry is this upside down kingdom, this kingdom that, that a lot of Jewish people, they weren't expecting. They wanted something different. They wanted a Messiah that would topple the Roman government, that would bring a kingdom on earth then. And that's not what he was about. That's not what he was about. He was about this upside-down kingdom. And when I read these, these blessings, I, I don't just read that Jesus is saying, you, you're blessed. I read this as more of an exclamation, blessing, just overflowing, throwing blessing onto these people. Bless you. And he didn't call them blessed because of their stuff or because of wealth, clearly. And that is where I think that we 
have not understood blessing in the 21st century. And we, we go to things like wealth or, or, or physical things that we own and stuff. And, and, and money and stuff, it's fine, it's whatever. But, and it's also fine, I think, it's great to, to thank the Lord for the things that we have. And I think we should. But when we look at blessings and being blessed in that way, then we will automatically begin to see that some are more blessed than others. We, we have this blessing hierarchy, these levels of blessed. And that's just not it. And so these people at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus and throughout the ministry of Jesus, he sees these people And he tells them that they are included in his kingdom. That they belong in his blessing. That they have a part in his story. That they have a seat at the table of God. Jesus often, throughout his ministry, sat down at the table and shared meals with with people. And shared life with, with people whom the Pharisees would have forgotten and excluded. A famous example is Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Just after Jesus calls Levi to be his disciple, it says this. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, who, by the way, was a tax collector. Not Mr. IRS, which some people would say is our criminals, but I'm not going to go there. Uh, but literal criminals uh, to the people, thieves uh, to the people, taking just whatever they wanted for themselves, Tax collectors were thieves. And so while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. When the teachers of the law saw, when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, they asked his disciples, they didn't go and ask him. That's also a problem that we have in our relations with others. We Sometimes don't go to the source. We go to others. On here, uh, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, but the sinners. I truly could go all day, but we don't have enough time. I could go all day about the kinds of people that sat at the table with Jesus. And as we see this interaction with the Pharisees, we can believe wholeheartedly that the kind of people that Jesus had dinner with, that he shared meals with, what he shared life with, were the people that the Pharisees did not want to do so with themselves. And so I look at these people as the ones the church forgot. The ones whom were forgotten by the Pharisees, the religious leaders, outcasted by the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And yet here comes Jesus. Literally God in flesh sharing a table with them. This upside down kingdom where Jesus says the last shall be first, the first shall be last, and the greatest among you shall be a servant. The kingdom of Jesus is completely upside down and completely different from a lot of the values that we hold dear in life just by virtue of living in this world. 
Jesus did things in an upside down way. And of course it got him killed. That's just the plain truth. It got him killed. I believe that God wants wholeheartedly for those who mourn to be comforted, for those who are hurting to be healed, for those who have been cast out and uninvited to be included, for those who have been chained in oppression to be set free, that the systems of oppression and injustice be torn down in the name of the Lord. Jesus One last story, and I'm going to wrap this up. Jesus was the kind of guy who, in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, he healed a man of leprosy. And it's this thing that we we can kind of, we can read this story and say, okay, well, he healed a man with leprosy. He healed all kinds of people. But friends, I believe that Jesus is the kind of guy who not only reached out and just fingertip touched the man. I don't think that's what he did. I think Because of the person who Jesus was and the God who Jesus is, I believe that Jesus reached out and hugged this man with leprosy. Touching him was forbidden. Jesus did all of these things that the church said, we don't do that. You don't touch someone with leprosy. You don't touch a dead person, which he did. He grabbed a a dead person by the hand, healed them. story of the woman at the well. Jews, Samaritans, they don't mix, they don't talk. But Jesus, in his upside-down kingdom, his upside-down ministry, he showed that people have value. Humans have value. And Jesus wants us, the church, to be a people who are like these in the Beatitudes, who are like the poor in spirit, where we just crave the things of God, the Spirit of God to be present. Where in all of these situations, it's almost as if we've got nothing else. And the only thing that matters is Jesus. Jesus shows us what ministry is. Where the church had built walls between them and groups of people, Jesus built bridges, tore those walls down. The Gospels are filled with a Messiah that the first century Jews did not understand because the kingdom that he was about was not the kingdom that they were about. Jesus healed. He hugged. He broke bread. He befriended. And he gave his life for people who the church just said, you go over there. 
And the great thing about the gospel is that everyone has a seat at the table. All are welcome to receive freedom from bondage, forgiveness from sin. And so friends, my prayer for you, my prayer for myself, is that that we will be so moved, that we will be so moved in our hearts that maybe we start to look at the way that we live our life, the way that we interact with other people, or just the way that we think about people, that we will be instead moved to compassion, that we will instead be moved to love, that instead we'll be moved to mercy and grace. And I pray that the Lord our God will shift our hearts, your heart, towards being poor in spirit, towards being meek, towards mourning and lamenting the present evils and injustices, towards being hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for the things of God and for the things of the world to be made right. To be pure at heart and to become peacemakers. Instead of agents of division. Lord, would you help us? Will you help us, God? Lord, I say all of these things today to my friends because I know that even in my own spirit, in my own heart, there are days where I I am reminded of things that I need to surrender to you. I'm reminded of of attitudes or, or thoughts towards people that I need to surrender to you. Lord, I openly and willingly confess I don't have it all together. But Lord, I give you all the pieces. I give you my feeble tries. Lord, I give you my hands and say, here I am, Lord. As the scripture says in in, in Isaiah, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Here I am, Lord. Send me. Lord, will you stir in our hearts this morning that we will become that person to stand up and say in the presence of Jesus Christ, here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me to be a peacemaker. Send me to be an agent of peace, joy, grace, and mercy. And God, forgive me, Lord. Forgive us for the times where we have no clue what we're doing. And Lord, forgive us for all the ways, for all the ways in which we've unintentionally or even intentionally turned people away from the cross. God, forgive us. Friends, as we get ready to depart from here, I would be 
I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't allow you an opportunity, just a minute, to just continue here in a spirit of prayer. Maybe the Lord's been speaking to you this morning. Maybe the Lord started speaking to you all the way last week when you left the sanctuary. Friend, I encourage you, just talk to him. Just talk to him. Open your heart and let it go. God, you're good. You're good. And you're good to us. And man, we have, we don't deserve it, Lord. Lord, I give you all my thanks. I give you all of my praise this morning. And Lord, we just surrender this time to you. We surrender this day to you. And as we go into this week, Lord, will you move us to be an agent of grace, an agent of the gospel, and full of mercy. We love you and we thank you. Now, friends, if you're able, would you stand? I just want to pray this blessing over you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now, may the master, Jesus himself, pour on the love (laughs) so it fills your life and splashes over everyone around you. Amen (laughs) and amen. You're dismissed. Thanks for joining us at Central Church today. If you'd like to get involved, please visit us at centralnazarene.org.